Hello and welcome to The Rake Debate. I'm Darren Langer, co-head of Fixed Income at Yarra Capital, and joining me is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. Well, it's the first Tuesday of June, and that means the RBA has just met. And somewhat surprisingly, we saw a 50 basis point hike today, Chris, despite the majority of people probably favouring a 25 or 40 basis point hike. I guess there were several things about the statement today that kind of um, made me a little bit more angry than usual. You know, we don't always get these things right, but on the face of it, today's statement sort of said to me that the RBA has probably moved into a bit of panic mode. It really seems that this is a continuation of the RBA getting things wrong. They haven't really picked the direction of the economy very well at all for, for many years now. And yet, do we have any faith at the moment that they're actually got it right this time? You know, I know we, we both think that they're probably gone too far too fast, but it sort of um, comes back to what we've sort of talked about before, that the RBA continues to reinforce the fact that no matter what they say about inflation, no matter what they say about doing things differently, they revert back to type. And the minute we see any kind of inflation, they jump on it and want to kill it real quick. And today was just yet another, I guess, proof point of that. The other thing that sort of made me a little bit um, angry, I guess, was I, I thought it was quite a callous statement. You know, we saw the RBA trying to justify why they went 50 basis points despite not really getting any more data since the last move and even two months ago. All they said was, oh, we put them up because of inflation. And then they made some kind of catch-all statement. Oh, but, you know, housing prices are 25% higher than what they were before the pandemic. Um, That's all very well and good for people who had their houses uh, before the pandemic. But, you know, through their actions and through the policy of this you know the the government over the last two years we've seen house prices and debt levels increase quite dramatically more than we've ever seen at any other time and yet they they seem to feel that it's okay to toast those people um, that have now got larger debt burdens and now higher rates as well as you know a five percent inflation rate which again is largely um, failures of policy globally but but also locally i mean what did you see in there yeah, maybe not quite as uh, angry as you with, with what the RBA is up to, but it, it, it certainly does feel like they're just pressing buttons at the moment. You know, you, you look at the statement last month, you look at what they've been saying, and then they come out with a 50 basis point hike after last month saying, well, we didn't go 40 because we only need to do 25 and, and inflation looks to be coming under control. So trying to figure out what they're doing at the moment is quite tough. I think every time the market keeps forecasting 40 basis points, one month they're below, next month they're higher. Who knows what they're going to do next month? They're, they're likely going to be hiking again because they've said at the end of their statement that they're committed to doing whatever's necessary to bring inflation down. As you said, it's a little bit kind of tough to figure out what's going on here because nothing's really changed since last month. We got a wages print that was actually below expectations. So there was no confirmation that this statement that they said last month that wages were beginning to accelerate was actually true. And if you look at what's driving inflation at the moment, they seem to be getting scared a little bit about what's going on in the energy market. And again, hiking rates to slow down the consumer, what that has to do with the price of coal and the problems that are going on with the energy market, I just shrug my shoulders and say, I don't think they're going to solve that. So what is it that they're trying to achieve at the moment? And and that is kind of very hard to pin down because, as you said, the statement didn't really explain why they were doing it. I think, um, you know, one of the things we have seen over the last couple of weeks is that consumer confidence was already low and it's going even lower. You know, the print earlier today was 
probably the lowest we've seen since the the depths of the the COVID outbreak. And you know, I think we mentioned on the last podcast, you know, we've never seen a, a hiking cycle at a time when consumer confidence has actually been as weak as what it is. And again, not a not a local phenomenon; it's a, it's a global phenomenon. It's really hard to see that the consumer is going to take a really big hike like this in its stride and suddenly uh, come back to being happy. And yes, uh, we know that they want to try and reduce down demand, but it seems like they're not only just trying to reduce demand, but trying to actually engender a recession. Yeah, when you look at consumer confidence at the moment, no matter kind of which sub-index you're looking at, it's it's pretty bleak. So, you know, conditions in 12 months' time, conditions right now, they're all as low as they were during that kind of COVID hit in early 2020, which is obviously pretty bad. When you kind of think about the consumer and what they're going to be going through, well, you know, as we said, there's a lot of news headlines at the moment of energy prices rising. You can't avoid those. You've got higher oil prices. You can't avoid that. And now you're going to have higher mortgage costs as well. And you're not going to be able to avoid that. So this idea from the RBA that we're going to stop inflation seems to be saying we're actually going to knock the consumer on the head because they're already waving the white flag essentially and saying we're in a bad shape. And and the RBA is actually lining up here and saying, well, there's, there's more of this to come. So I personally don't really see why consumer confidence is going to get better. And it feels like it's about to get a lot worse because even if you open up the news websites, generally what you see is on the front line, the cost of the cost of the increase on your mortgage, the cost of higher energy prices. And it just feels like for anyone out there, there's not really that good news of, of a large kind of pickup in wages coming. I know the RBA keeps talking about it, but the official figures just are, are really slow in bearing it out. The other thing is that the RBA keeps telling us that the consumer is in good shape and that, you know, in general, the economy is quite strong. But is there any other period where you see consumer confidence this week when the economy is allegedly strong? There's something unusual going on. Yes, we're probably seeing a fairly negative news cycle because of, you know, inflation, the war in Ukraine, all these kinds of things happening. But, you know, it's not the sort of um, situation where you'd expect growth to suddenly launch into a, a new phase of prosperity. And if we're already starting to see that at the very beginning of a rate cycle, it's hard to sort of understand how we're going to see rates at the sorts of levels that both here and offshore are trying to price. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder, I think, for Australia to look at consumer confidence and kind of point out how it can slow down the economy. But certainly if you take the US consumer confidence and just look at the periods that it's been this low, every single other period has been a recession. So the consumer is clearly sitting in a, in a pretty poor space. And I think when we look at what the RBA is doing, you know, the thing that kind of annoys me with the way that they, they react is that they're so focused on inflation. Now, I know they have that inflation target and, and that's what they're obviously trying to manage to. But if you step back and look at their actual mandate, they've got three things that they're meant to be doing. So they're meant to be looking for a stable currency, full employment and economic prosperity and welfare of the Australian people. For the consumer to be kind of this down and one of your goals is economic prosperity and welfare, it just confuses me that you're going so hard so fast. The argument that we've been making for, for quite a while now is, yes, rates eventually need to go up, but they should be done slow and steady to give people time to kind of adjust to that. I certainly feel like the way they're moving now is going to put a bit of risk around the housing prices, and that is most of the prosperity in the Australian economy. Yeah, housing in, in Australia is really the, the, I guess, the canary in terms of um, how how the economy is travelling. As much as people like to uh, sort of say house prices don't matter as much as what everybody thinks. I, 
I think, you know, it's the, it's the water cooler topic of most offices and, and places of work. And I, I think, you know, it, it's very hard to sit back and say housing doesn't matter. Every, every piece of uh, research we've ever done shows there is a direct correlation between house prices and the level of interest rates. And, you know, the COVID period has been yet another period where house prices have just taken off, even at a time when, you know, people's, um, I guess, incomes were at threat. But if rates are low enough, people want to borrow money and they want to buy a house. You know, the reverse happens when you start putting rates up. We're already starting to see, you know, stresses within the building industry because of what's happened over the last two years. And then the chances are now it's all likely to reverse very, very quickly. And you go from that, you know, typical boom into a, a fairly significant bust, which, you know, is kind of Australia's um, method in, in the housing industry. But, you know, it's it's not looking real good. And if what? One rate hike we've already started to see Sydney and Melbourne prices, which are probably the the most reactive in the country, starting to, to decline. Yeah, if you look at house prices, if you take the timing of the monthly increases, we saw our first negative monthly increase since um, twenty twenty, and it's come with that first rate hike. So clearly rates are having a very quick impact on the housing market. I think we can probably expect to see more negative monthly housing um, moves from here. The other thing that kind of points to this picking up pace is just what's going on in New Zealand. If you look at the New Zealand housing market, that theirs did the exact same thing. On the first hike, the, the month-on-month figures went negative. And as the RBNZ has picked up pace, the New Zealand housing market is now falling by about 1.9% per month. You know, that speed is basically the same speed with which prices were rising through 2021. So from this point, I think it's going to get harder for the housing market. It's probably going to get harder for the construction industry, which is already in a little bit of strife, as, as we all know. And the other thing that we will eventually see is, well, we've already seen it a little bit, is those building approvals will start to come off and the construction outlook probably in 12 months' time will begin to fall. This is a, a bit more forward than obviously what the RBA is looking at at the moment, but maybe that's how they're going to get inflation down, drag the housing market down a bit as well. Yeah, I mean, the RBNZ's obviously gone a lot harder than what the RBA has so far, but, you know, it's probably a warning sign for, for the RBA to, you know, think very carefully about how aggressive they're likely to be unless they really do want to end up with a, you know, a fairly significant decline in housing very quickly. You know, maybe they don't care that much about it. We've certainly talked about this many times before. The reaction function of the RBA is that if house prices start to fall more than 10 15%, you know, they're jumping in very quickly to start cutting rates. And that looks very likely at the moment if they keep on their current path. We mentioned too about the whole um, inflation and, and wages off the back of that. Again, something the RBA um, and the government to a lot of extent say the economy is really strong, companies are making lots of money, and yet the minute anyone asks for a pay rise, you know, there's howling and complaining out there um, that we can't afford it. Um, even fairly modest rises of 2 3%. We're being told by certain industries they can't afford it. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but we actually need to see wage rises significantly above 2 to 3%. You know, the RBA is looking for at least 4%, 3 to 4%. Again, we haven't seen that in any of the numbers. A lot of it's anecdotal. But, you know, if we're running at 5% inflation and we're also putting up housing costs, the kind of increases that wages need to adjust to ensure that people aren't worse off are significantly more than we're sort of looking at at the moment. I mean, where do you think we go with um, the wages area, Chris? Yeah, I've I've been probably more... um 
I guess, suspect on what wages are going to do than, than others because I personally don't see this idea that there's an inflation wage price spiral as as necessarily the best idea of what is going on. So economists are generally scared that as inflation goes up, that causes people to demand higher wages. And then because they've got higher wages, they spend more money and that causes inflation. And then because inflation picks up, you kind of repeat this thing with with asking for higher wages. When the inflation that's coming through is because there's an energy price spike that's causing electricity costs to go higher, I personally don't see people then going and saying, you have to pay me more because my costs are up. Because the business would simply say, yeah, but my costs are up as well. What do you really want from me? And I get that the labour market is tight. I get that kind of we're seeing that there should be wages coming through, but there's really just no sign of it in in the data. So if we don't see this pick up meaningfully, then the RBA's inflation, I think, will be completely reliant on what's going offshore. And that's just going to put them in a very weird spot because, as we said before, the consumer's already in that weak spot. When we look at what the RBA is saying, though, they're still committed to that idea that their liaisons are telling them that wages are going higher. Interestingly, I saw something that showed normally when the RBA starts hiking, wages are about a percent higher than they already are. So we're starting from a low point. Hopefully they come. But I think some of the circumstances in place don't necessarily point to that kind of wage price in um, spiral. It's more a function of there's other circumstances here that are causing costs to pick up. And unfortunately, that's just going to be higher cost structure for the economy rather than getting wages up as well. It'll certainly be interesting when we get the next um, wages data that if it's not in that sort of three to four percent region that the RBA is um, expecting, you know, they're going to have a, a fair amount of explanation to go because you can only keep getting weaker and weaker data so often before you give up the fact that your surveys are very unreliable. <laughs> yeah, and, and this kind of builds into a kind of our point of going slow and steady. Unlike the central banks offshore, the RBA only gets inflation and wages quarterly. So we're not going to see whether wages have picked up for another two months. And by that time, with what the RBA is saying, they might have already hiked 100 points. And if wages haven't picked up and then, you're kind of thinking, well, you've moved a long way for wages to, to have not have, have picked up. Whereas if you, if you look at, say, the US or the ECB, they get those inflation forecasts and numbers monthly. And it's a lot easier, I guess, to react and kind of point out what's going on when you see that information. Looking forward, I think um, you know one of the really big risks to not just the RBA but central banks globally is that they they tighten aggressively, thinking that they can control the inflation spike. But as we know, a lot of it is really coming from energy. You'd have to say the current energy mess that we're in is global policy failure to a lot of extent. You know, supply chains for energy are very concentrated. Obviously, Russia is much more important you know, supplier of energy than many would have predicted. And, you know, particularly in Europe, they're almost the sole supplier of gas um, and a certainly a large supplier of oil. You know, is there a really big risk, do you think, if we go down, you know, to December, we've jacked rates up, I don't know, to 2%, and suddenly, you know, the RBA believes that's enough to get inflation back to 2 to 3% band in 18 months' time. But, you know... What's the risk that we don't get it down? The way that the European countries have been sanctioning Russia puts higher oil prices, obviously, at play later in the year. And the RBA can hike rates. And if energy prices keep going up, then inflation is going to be very sticky. And how we kind of think about, I think, where this lands depends a lot on that conflict and what those sanctions are. If Europe aren't going to be buying oil from the Russians, then 
the prices are going to be high and, and there's not a lot we can do about it. So I think certainly when, when I think about what's going on and try, I try and forecast what's happening, that conflict makes it extremely difficult to figure out how we should be thinking about this because we don't really have a speciality in, you know, conflicts between Russia and Ukraine. We're kind of stuck reading the news like everyone else and trying to figure out what the peace talks are doing, you know, whether it's going to escalate or whether it's going to finish. And, and that just makes it very hard. Given that outlook, given the risk of what is ultimately a, a stagflation environment and, you know, potentially a, a recession, not only here, but a global one, is the RBA mandate just wrong? Because we we see and we've said that they really are looking out for the prosperity of the country. I'm not sure driving us into a, uh, a recession based on an energy price and food prices that they have no control over really matches what they're trying to achieve. You know, have we got to the point now where our inflation targets both here and globally are no longer consistent with the aims of what central banks are trying to achieve? We've talked about this a lot over the past five years and, and certainly even kind of four or five years ago, we were saying the same thing that the inflation target doesn't really seem that suitable for where we are right now. You know, they undershot it for years and they kept cutting even though, you know, inflation was kind of 1.7, 1.8%. What the difference between 1.7 and 2.2 is kind of just makes me scratch my head. And now that we're overshooting the target, and the consumer is in such a bad space to say that we need to start one of the most aggressive hiking cycles that we've seen in, you know, 30 years equally seems as silly as cutting just because you point two under. So when I look at this and I kind of think about the RBA's true mandate that we talked about before, the stability of the currency, full employment and economic prosperity, I just say, why don't we just focus on those three things? And if we can get inflation down in, in the meantime, then that's fine. And if we can't, as long as we're achieving those three goals, I don't really understand why having inflation at 2.5 is, is the be all and end all. And, and that's probably is why I think that the RBA should be slower, because you don't know what you're going to do to employment and prosperity when you start this big rate hike cycle. So let's just take it slow and worry about inflation kind of after the fact, whereas the RBA seems to be doing the exact opposite. They're saying if we get inflation down, then there must be full employment and prosperity, which doesn't really make sense to me in the environment that we're in at the moment. No, well, we've certainly seen low inflation for many, many years, and it's hard to say that the last five, 10 years have been hugely prosperous and, uh, you know, strong growth rates globally. It's been quite the opposite. And I guess, you know, just to leave it on a final note, it, it's a little bit be careful of what you wish for because central banks have told us for the last two years all we need is a little bit of inflation to make everything better. And I, I think that's turning out to be somewhat of a fallacy. Well, that's it for this month. If you ever want to suggest topics or discuss anything further with Chris and I, um, we can be contacted at the rate debate at yarracm.com. So tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's July rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until next time, stay safe. The Rate Debate podcast content may contain general advice. Before acting on anything in this podcast, you should consider your own objectives, financial situation or needs and seek the advice of an appropriately qualified financial advisor. The actions based on information within this podcast are strictly at your own risk. Any mention of past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.